0: We search for identity and define ourselves in various ways education, church affiliations, jobs, family heritage, social status, community. While they describe us in meaningful ways, they do not define us. On today's episode, I'm joined by Moji Akinde, and we are ranting about identity struggles. Moji, welcome.
1: Thank and
0: you. Uh, Thanks for having me. Introduce yourself.
1: Okay. Um, I'm trying to think about what to say about myself. Uh, <laughs> I'll I just, it's all good. So my name is Mojia Kinde, and I am a, I call myself a Nigerian-American. A true Nigerian-American because I have spent almost equally, um, equal amounts of time of my life in Nigeria and in America. And, you know, it's one of, it's that one poem by Worson Shire, I believe that says, you know, you're too foreign from home, don't belong anywhere, that kind of thing. But what I do believe is that people who share the same similar identity as me are just um, a new hybrid of Nigerian Americans and we carry both cultures. I am, uh, I'm a Chicagoan. I'm a lover of food, of culture, of wine, basically anything I consume I like to appreciate it. So if it's food, wine, whiskey whatever it is I appreciate things like that um I'm a big fan of cultivating friendships I take my friends almost closer than my family that I share borderlines with and um let's see what else I don't know
0: you're a professional I- troublemaker
1: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I
0: am <here. laughs> Look at this
1: face. Could this face have a <laughs> oh, okay, yes, I I enjoy- Actually, this is a, a fun part about me as well. Yes, I do enjoy pushing people to think about why they think the way they do. So, obviously, mm-hmm. that means it sounds like trouble, right? So, whatever it is, whether we're talking about culture, religion, uh, feminism, gender, sexuality, name whatever topic it is. Um, not because I just want to be contrarian. I really do usually hold unpopular opinions on a lot of topics. And what I try to do is challenge other people to think about why they think the way they do. I don't need to change people's minds. It's not my goal to change your mind, but my goal is to challenge you to challenge your beliefs and why you think the way they do. And if the challenge comes back favorable to your existing beliefs, then cool. But if not, maybe it might be time to reevaluate it change
0: it <laughs> uh, you know, of, people call that troublemaking which yeah whatever i guess yeah it is, it is troublemaking yeah, so moji is a nigerian a professional troublemaker a wine lover uh what what do you say defined you is there one thing or more than it, it's it's a heavy topic right so
1: definitely not one thing defines me hmm However, if I were forced to answer in five seconds, the primary identity that I have is an African woman, an mm-hmm. African woman, a black woman. That's usually the primary identity that you know I subscribe to. And there's a lot that goes in that because, and note, I didn't just say woman, specifically an African woman, because I need you to understand the spirituality the depth the culture the a lot of things that goes into being an african woman and once i say african you can have an idea of all the things that have shaped that identity you know for better and for worse so that would probably be the first one but i can't say that there's one identity per se because obviously i'm also a sister right yeah. um i come from a huge family that we know of i have 12 siblings you know at Me least too. <laughs> if my siblings end up saying this hey it is what it is you all know 12 i <laughs> mean 13 total that we know of i'm sure there are many others but anyway, topic for another day. Sorry.
0: Yeah, we're <laughs> we twelve as well. I'm I'm number seven, I think. I don't know, but yeah, I'm also from a huge family. <laughs> See, so of my mom, I'm number seven of seven. In total, um, I'm nine of
1: thirteen. So I'm the youngest child of my mom. So th- again, hmm. going back to identities, right? Of yeah. course, in the Nigerian culture, there's the last born culture, and then you know, there's yeah. some, so even though I have last born identity. I'm also not the youngest because I have other siblings as well. So Mm. there are multiple layers of that identity. I'm a sister, um, I'm a friend, um, I'm a professional, which Mm. usually, what happened in this conversation? Usually (laughs) (laughs) that's where we start with, right? We have a habit of starting our identities and introductions with people with, Hey, my name is Moji and a doctor i'm I'm an engineer Um, i'm a pharmacist um whatever it is you are but is that really an identity and obviously to some the answer is yes and um anyway, i'm sure you'll have more questions for me and going yep for sure so
0: yeah yeah so what you mentioned being african and being a black woman right when i think i grew up just being moturaya i was the sister i was a friend you know and then I realized quickly when I went to boarding school that you are Yoruba or Igbo or something. Even though we had some international students, there mm-hmm. weren't that many. There wasn't many of them. So, um, yes. So I was Yoruba. And then I I, I moved to like the, the northern part of Nigeria. And it's like, oh, I'm actually like Yoruba, Yoruba. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then I left the country and it became, oh, you're African. And I was like, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm nigerian you know mm-hmm. so my nigerian also like overtook my yoruba mm-hmm. uh me being a yoruba woman right and then um when i moved to the state i called a hospital to like book an appointment to go in to do some check i can't even remember uh but like, i know for sure it was with my first year of coming to the states and the lady mm-hmm. was like um what do you identify as and i was like hmm I do I gave you my name, I'm a (laughs) student, I live here, what else do you need? Exactly, like I'm a woman. And I was like, what else do you need? And she was like, yeah, like, but ma'am, what do you identify as? And I sat down like over the phone thinking, what do I identify as? Like, how can I help you help me? Because Mm -hmm. this question that you're asking me, she don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I literally have no answer for you. And she was like, oh, you're, you have an accent. Where is it from? And I was like, my mouth? Like, girl, <laughs> what do you want? And she was like, no, like, where is the accent from? And I was like, oh, um, Nigeria, West Africa, Africa. And then she goes, yeah. So when next people ask you, what do you identify as? You say yeah, you are Nigerian. black. Mm-hmm. No, she told me right. you say you are black. So mm-hmm. that for me, my blackness... Was given to me mm, as an adult mm,
1: in America, mm, so
0: it meant mm. I, I had a new understanding now that I'm no longer just Yoruba, I'm no longer mm-hmm. just Nigerian, mm-hmm. I'm no longer just African. Mm-hmm. Now I'm black, because mm. I mean that's you know it just that was my oh so what does what does it mean to be black in America? You know, like what am I expected to know as a black person mm-hmm. here? And what, what are my do's and don'ts? And that was, mm-hmm. that was really, it was a learning point, learning curve for me to come to that reality.
1: That's actually but, very interesting because a similar but opposite reaction or experience, I guess, is what I thought where it's obviously being Nigerian, you don't know you're black because everybody's black. So yeah. <laughs> <you're> <laughs> yeah and to your mm-hmm. point, you're either Yoruba, Igbo, or, you know, even if you want to dig down further in Yoruba culture, you're Ijebu, you're this, you're that. Yeah, whatever.
0: from Egba, and, mm-hmm.
1: and then coming here, My my experience was more of, okay, you're here. I've understood by watching that I fall into this Black category. But then when i'm aligning myself with blackness or with black people then it becomes well you're not really
0: black you're African. yeah
1: how black are you yeah (laughs) you're not really black you're african and it's like okay which one is it i'm really new to this (laughs) black thing so help me walk through where i'm into i mean obviously my identity has shifted you know from then to now Mm-hmm. That i've been in the u.s for 18 years now so through th- that lens i'm definitely black i'm black yeah. af however it's an interesting conversation to have with certain people who like you said what are the check boxes i need to mark to achieve said blackness what yeah. qualifies me as black clearly it's not just the color of my skin because if we're mm-hmm. that i'm uh, literally and visibly blacker than other people who are deemed more black than I am. So it's not that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it has to be something else. I need to work towards. Is it where I was born? So if I didn't grow, I was born in Chicago, actually. So I was born in the US. Yeah, but I, I was raised in Nigeria by Nigerian by a Nigerian family. So does the American passport automatically convey blackness to me? Or is it something else I need to experience? So now that it I've was. been here for 18 years, am I black now? So it was, it was and still is an interesting conversation. And I have since then taken that identity as blackness. And the reason why I did that is because just like you, it was given to you. Yeah. I didn't understand and was completely unaware of the concept of blackness until I moved here, meaning I didn't choose it somebody else some other system chose that identity and placed it on me and mm-hmm. based on for better and worse based on the um criteria me walking into a room yeah i'm black i'll probably be you know pulled over uh, more frequently list all the things i'll probably ha- that will be more likely to happen to me so therefore mm-hmm. i'm black so this whole nigerianess or africaness at the end of the day the very first this system recognizes is my blackness before we start going into nuances so
0: i guess that's another
1: identity that you know exists
0: but i've also like found myself in in black spaces like predominantly black spaces where it's like oh you still don't feed yeah because like i don't speak ebonics i like i don't speak ebonics yeah. i'm not people expect you to be black and have some sort of overly dramatic or or you don't like books something as easy right. as oh you read right you know it's right. not expected of you to read because you're a black or mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. there are those those little things sometimes it's just like but i'm black but accept me you know like right. can i Can I please come into this space? I completely,
1: completely understand. Like, please love me. Because guess
0: what? These other spaces, they're not only trying to let me hang out with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Let's hang out. out." But again, Mm. going back to that, right, uh, of what defines Blackness, even that idea, let's say, um, let's remove the fact that, you know, we're Nigerian out of it. Even within... The quote-unquote approved black people. There's mm-hmm. still an idea of what that means, right? You means, still have yeah. their blackness will be questioned because you talk white, you know. Yeah. You grew up in the suburbs, and these yeah. are people who probably have never been to the continent, right? By all definition of purpose, all definitions, they should be <laughs> automatically black. But black, still, yeah. somewhere there's a, a discussion and conversation around that identity, and mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day that. Question will never be fully answered
0: Answer, because yeah.
1: there will always be an extra layer of identity. So remember how you said that when you were in Nigeria, you were you. Well, when you went another part of Nigeria, you realized oh, you are actually Yoruba. You are no longer just maternal person. Yeah, you're actually Yoruba. Then all of a sudden, you moved out of Nigeria, and now you're just African. So yeah. we've zoomed out. Yeah. we depending on the space you're in your identity is either, is either going to be zoomed out of or zoomed in on.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think that no matter how we slice and dice it, there's always going to be more room to zoom in on. So it's the conversation will never end. However, there are some fundamental everyday experiences that take the bulk of our identity that we can celebrate and bring to the forefront and say, these are the things that I am. So for me, it's usually a battle between being a a black woman or an African woman. And I Mm -hmm. chose to be an African woman because it encompasses blackness. And it allows me to go further into the conversation and remind other black people who experience different kinds of blackness that I don't know, are African, you know, mm-hmm. we can slice and dice it and zoom in and out whenever we want, but that Africanness takes everything. Because if I say I'm a black woman, it doesn't always imply that I'm an African woman, it doesn't always imply my Nigerianness, it doesn't always imply my Yorubanness. it doesn't always imply my Yoruba culture. And my Yoruba foods and my Yoruba history and my Yoruba spirituality, it doesn't always imply those things. However, when I say I'm an African woman, of course you know I'm black.
0: Ah, oh, that's interesting. I I don't I don't know. Because I feel like just because people are black doesn't necessarily mean they agree to be Africans. You know? Yes. I mean you know, they said the, the sheep stopped at different places, hence why yes. you have different, you know, um identity or whatever. But like And that's, I personally, I always give people the chance to explain who they are and what they identify as to me, because just because you're Black doesn't Mm -hmm. mean there's... I mean, I've seen a biracial woman who, she does not like to be called Mm -hmm. Black. You know, she's like, I'm equally white, I'm equally Black, Mm -hmm. I'm mom and dad, I'm a mixture of mom and dad. Mm Yep. Um, Excuse me. (laughs) So, like, just... I don't know. I feel like putting that together and saying just, I mean, that's how you, you feel comfortable identifying. Right. But I wonder how somebody also interpreted and said, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm sure.
1: I'm absolutely sure that other people are going to disagree with me. And that's yeah. the joy of identity, <laughs> right? So mm-hmm. going, taking the conversation deeper, there are two types of identities. The ones we, um, um, usually take on are the ones that are given to us
0: given to us yeah.
1: usually at an early age so you know you're growing up let's take gender for example right Mm -hmm. before you're born somebody has had a baby shower to determine the type of identity they're going to convey on you this is before you've actually been given life right so that identity has been conveyed on you and then eventually as you become older and get to know yourself you start taking and giving yourself that identity so i completely understand that and i agree not every single person is going to ex- agree that oh they're african and i've heard the same arguments that's valid that i've never been to the continent why are you calling me african-american and i agree because you've if you've never even been to the continent and you have no immediate traces yeah that's a logical uh, uh a logical point of view so explanation yeah yeah, So identity, it's not so much No one can Really Okay, no, I take that back because people can and they do Ideally, no one Should Be conveying your Identity to you However, I understand for the sake of uh, Societal management At first glance, if I meet you On the streets, I would immediately categorize You as black, woman, Nigerian You know Just throw you <laughs> Right, my, my brain is trying yeah. to do the weakest and the fastest things however yeah. upon getting to know you when you tell me or if you tell me no i actually uh identify as dominican american or something or afro-dominican then that's your identity to me then so it's not for me to of or anyone else to tell somebody else that this is who you should be it's identity should be self-imposed and self um yeah. I want to use the word inflicted, but it has such a negative connotation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you should self-identify in every area mm-hmm. of your life. So instead of, um, so for example, obviously you went outside, it was open. You're going to bars, you're meeting people, you're making new friends. And oftentimes people want mm-hmm. to focus on what I do for a living or what you do for a living. And to me, it's it's boring. That's the least it's the least, um, interesting sort of, I don't get me wrong. I've had some really interesting jobs, but it's really the least interesting thing about me. There's so many other things hmm. you should know about, you know, you should know that I'm a thrill seeker. You know, I like, I've gone skydiving twice. I would love to do it again. I would love to be trained professionally and be a professional skydiver. You know, you should know that, um, I don't know, I'm a runner. I enjoy running. I tell myself I'm going to run a marathon, even though I run almost the distance of a marathon. But the idea of a marathon is like, do I want to do that? No, but I do enjoy running. (laughs) It's like that kind of thing. Like there's so many other things about me that, oh, I was raised in a quite religious family that was equally deeply Muslim, deeply Christian and deeply uh, uh, African spiritualist. And now I make this. That's more interesting. Like, talk to me about it. Right? <laughs> I have a tattoo on my shoulder on the back here that says Dio e Amore in Italian. It means God is love. And then now I'm telling you I don't believe in God. Let's talk about that. Like, there's so many mm. other identities of mine that should be more fascinating than the ones we immediately try to convey on people or the ones we immediately try to size people up on. So when someone meets you... What do you do when I throw that's them off on interesting
0: weekends. What, wow. on weekends what do I do what do I do during so, the week <laughs> wow wow so that's something that's that's very interesting cuz personally when you ask me "Oh, what do you do I just tell people what I like my professional like oh really? oh I'm a business analyst and mm-hmm. the reason I literally had to talk through the I went to therapy and it was therapy that helped me realize this, right? So my mom is a farmer. Um, it's she's a farmer. My grandmother uh-huh. was a farmer. Um, uh-huh. so I grew up around like this local rural women who, I mean, they loved what they did. They I don't know if they loved it or not, but they sure did it. shot sure, you know, it was they they get more, they got money from it. And I think as a child, I remember my grandmother saying, "I was too so lazy to be." to Mm. work on the farm, you know, and I also told her, like, I, I was like, maybe five or six. And I told her, oh no, me me personally, I'm doing a white man's job. Like I would do a professional. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I was so sure that age that I was going to do like a blue collar, white collar job. Right. Um, so I had learned at an early age that what you do matters, Mm -hmm. you know, like who you say you are matters. Mm and um. So when, as an adult now, when people come up to me and say, oh, hi, what's your name? What's What do you do? Oh, I'm a business analyst. You know, like, you know, I work in corporate America. I work in this space that my grandmother never did. And here I am. Um, so that was always how I introduced myself until I lost that job. I mean, I've, I've been in corporate America for a while, but when I lost that job, I didn't, I didn't grieve for the loss of the job. I grieved for the identity, mm. what that job gave me, the, the, the rights that I felt like, you okay. know, it gave me, um, and I had to redefine like myself. Now I wasn't, I was no longer a Adiola, like the business, the business analyst or the master, or the girl that worked in corporate America. Mm-hmm. I was Mutomai Adiola. You know. So I had to go back to the basics of I'm what's my deal, the daughter, I'm what's my deal, the sister, I'm what's my deal, the friend, the writer. Like it took me losing something that I held so close for me to redefine what my identity really is. And um I guess I'm still learning because there is there's still days I like struggle I'm just like, ha oh, god, I you know, um, I need that uh ginger to be able yeah, to say yeah answer people truthfully when they say what do you do because i'm yeah. also unfortunately i also you see one of those people that if you didn't have a title mm-hmm. to your name mm-hmm. you know um it's like oh you don't do anything yeah or oh okay i yeah. you are human but you know but you're not now exactly and i didn't even realize how bad it was until my own title got taken away
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah and yeah. and it's it's interesting because we're all victims to it Yeah, all of us and I don't know what the what the source is or where it started but mm-hmm. we know this is what we have and what we yeah. have is that we 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 immediately want to size up other people other people based yeah. based on their ranks in society or where we think their ranks in society would be so and i'll use myself as an example when i started out my career i was in the hospitality industry so i've worked in front office management in hotels i've worked in event planning i even way before then i've worked in clubs i've worked in all kinds of things and obviously you know as i worked and progressed i'm making more money i'm doing better for myself and all of this cool stuff right but the interesting thing is going back to title. Right now, my my official title is I'm an executive assistant to the CEO of a private equity firm. However, I have, according to society standards, in certain circles or most circles actually, I have less respect now with this title, yes, than when I was front office manager or front office supervisor or. Uh.
0: High liaison
1: or whatever it is, because and then I was poor. Don't get me wrong, I love it. Was <laughs> I, <fun>. was <laughs> I was poor. I was poor. Yeah, there are a lot of fun titles, but look, it wasn't making money. <laughs> but yeah. it was fun. Again, it's a balance of life, that kind of thing, right? But the proximity, the people I was close to, and mm-hmm. the coolness of the job was more desired by society than the idea of being an executive assistant because Mm -hmm. being an executive assistant implies you're just a secretary
0: exactly advanced secretary or like a pa yep
1: that kind of thing
0: Mm
1: -hmm. anyway we're we're, we're not gonna go into that but (laughs) i knew like i and Sidebar, another identity of mine is coaching other people, especially people who are a little bit younger than I am and trying to figure out what to do with their career. And my advice is learn from me, learn from my mistakes. I, I want to be the person I wish someone was to me back then. I wish someone had pushed me, pulled me to the side and said, look, all these fancy titles and, you know, all these cool events and social media and posting and everything. Yeah, I wish not <laughs> Where's <laughs> <laughs> your portfolio? Non-existent. Where's the savings account? Non-existent. Where's okay. nothing? So all the things you're chasing don't really make sense. You could be doing more, and applying the same skill sets in a different environment. So that um, idea of a title defining you or us judging people by their titles, I definitely feel, I didn't realize that I was really judging people by their titles or judging myself even because. Ideally, I don't consider myself that kind of person, but it wasn't until I made a pivot and started working as an executive assistant that other people's reactions started affecting me. And I'm like, oh, what? So oh. now that's done. And in my head, I'm thinking, if you really knew the if you really understood the role of an EA, especially an EA to the CEO or leadership, whatever. You would have a different mm-hmm. um, idea, but it's not my job to start uh, explaining to people, oh, please accept me. Please let me be cool. So similarly, I also had to take a step back and say, okay, so now are you ashamed of your title? So now are you are ashamed of the work that you do? Is it not an honest living? Did you not work hard to get here? Are you not working hard every single day just like the next person? So why are you letting that define you right so when that sort of little bit of shame was trying to come over me i did a similar thing of why do i even use this as the most interesting thing because I can't even talk about my job. I can't tell you most of the things that go on are confidential. So I can't even tell you about the things that I do. So why is that the first thing you ask? So that annoyance is also what prompted me to start asking people or to start moving the conversation away. And two things like ask me other questions about my life, ask me other questions about my experiences. Trust me, you will find a whole lot more to be interesting and fascinating and or just maybe you won't like it than this idea of what do you do and why that's your identity. I mean, yes, we're not going to fix the way the world sees that and uses that because we're just judging people, period.
0: What, what do you think happens when you just feel diminished, or you I'm know, when you feel like, yeah, I'm okay, disappointed.
1: that's actually what the first thing that comes in. I'm disappointed that again, I rate myself like, I think, come on, I've lived enough of life to have accumulated <laughs> experience, some, some, right, and I'm disappointed that we still can't get past that. I'm disappointed that when you meet me and with the first, you know, five minutes of conversations that we've had, that that's all you can come up with, that that's all you can think of. And don't get me wrong. It's not to say, don't ask me what I do for a living. Obviously, I'll tell you. A lot of times I'll say things like, I'll describe the industry I work in. I'll say, oh, I work in the mm-hmm. financial services industry or I work in non philanthropy. I'll Describe it so you have a general idea. And my hope from then is oh, okay, what about that space appeals to you? So you could go to ways, right? People could dig further and try to say, Oh, I also know somebody who worked in nonprofit. What does a nonprofit organization do? And then we can go a little bit deeper. But then when the conversation is trying to focus on, I really just want to know your title. I want to know- oh. <laughs> Like, just, you know, an entry level, like when it comes to that, then it becomes really disappointing. Like really, that's all you have. And Mm -hmm. luckily and thankfully, again, my job is not the only thing that defines me. Right. So when that, um, attempt at diminution occurs, it doesn't dig, for example, it will not dig as deep. As if someone was trying to diminish my femininity, or if someone was trying to diminish my blackness, or if yeah. someone was trying to diminish my Africanness, right? So it, yeah. it, it's more of what I hold important. Yes, my job is absolutely important to me. Career progression is absolutely important to me, but it's not. It doesn't tie as closely to my identity as other aspects of my identity. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Because n- now I just like if people try to question my own identity or who I think I am, I'm just like, sorry, my dear, I can't help you. <laughs> this is all like, literally now. I'm and this like, is 2020. Like 2020 t- taught me a lot, and it's just like I am enough. The way I show up right now, this is who you're getting. Let's let's move on. Like really <laughs>
1: that statement alone, I know a lot of people use it, but it's so heavy. It carries so much weight. Exactly. We're enough. Yeah. The fact that you were born, it's enough. Yeah. Listen, the fact that you're here, it's enough. You you carry enough blessings and enough. Yeah, that's that's the best way I can put it. Enough blessings to go around in different areas of life than to be trying to explain you know, different areas to people. Like, yes, we are indeed enough. And I think for a lot of people who are still searching for what makes them tick, Mm -hmm. what, and I'm just going to go a little bit deeper, like what their purpose is, that's when they tie it heavily to their profession. Because think about it, work is the thing you do the most Of in a day, they're 24 Mm -hmm. hours in a day. If we're going to assume that you're working only eight hours, that's at least a third of your day. So, meaning a third is spent working, a third is spent sleeping. So, really, the bulk of what you're doing in every single day is tied to what you do for a living. And we know that's not true. We know you're spending time commuting, maybe not now we're in COVID, but you know. (laughs) you did let's add on an extra hour or two hours there. Uh, you're probably not just working eight hours. You're working a whole lot more, uh, a whole lot longer than that. So mm-hmm. it does, in a way, make sense that your identity is going to be tied to your work. However, it's important to note that, is that why you're here? Is that why you're created? And maybe sometimes people don't believe we were created for any reason. There's more. Even if we weren't created for a reason... What what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to say? What do you want to say you did? Like thinking about a legacy. What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to say? This is if they mention Moji's name, whatever, however many decades from now, and I'm no longer here. What do I want people to be saying in the room Mm -hmm. about me? That's what I have started thinking about more of. That to be my identity as opposed to my work. I don't want them to talk about my work because I, I was working for somebody else. If it wasn't my own company or my own organization, then don't talk about it because that's not mine. It was fun, it was great. I value it. I put all my energy into my work when I am working, but that's not me. It's still somebody else's work, it's still somebody else's company. There's a founder, CEO, creator somewhere else who is going to be tied to that legacy. So for me, What will my legacy be? Those are the things that I think about and I tie closer to my identity than work or, you know, being a lawyer, doctor, engineer as any good Nigerian should be.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so, and with the people that took a different route, we're still here too. So talking about identity and legacy, actually, what are some legacies that you would like to leave? I'm interested. So my my number
1: one thing is being the person I once needed, right? And being being the lesson, being the lesson for somebody else and being able to see people greater based on the information I can offer them. So I've navigated... (laughs) I've navigated enough of life, (laughs) let's put it that way, to have learned either by experience or other people teaching me, whatever. But I'd like to say a lot of it was I learned things along the way. And knowing what I know now, I'm looking back, I'm like, dang, I wish somebody could have just, (laughs) y'all could have told me. How come no one told me? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. you it's going me things gonna be different and that's the information I want to pass on to other people so for me it's being the person I once needed it's part of what flows my um social justice and social justice feminism and I guess in general altruism energy right mm-hmm. it's we have this whole world and this system and we know there's inequality and whatever it is, whatever it is that exists. How can I be a part of the solution? Mm. How can I help? It's a servant mentality. How can I help? How can I serve actually? Because from other things that I've learned, a servant mentality takes away, takes away the ego. It takes away yourself. It takes away the person. It focuses the energy on the person you're serving. So my question to myself is, how can I serve? How can I help? So if that means, um, physically, you know, serving on the board, which I do, I serve um, on the associate's board of a nonprofit organization and it focuses primarily on young, uh, students and young professionals who are high school seniors or just about to graduate and equips them with job skills, you know, college opportunities and support to navigate life. When I moved, all right, now I'm aging myself. When I moved to the U.S., <laughs> when I moved to the U.S., I was like 17 years old. I knew nothing. And I essentially just yeah. have to navigate this life like on your own and figuring things out. And the organizations that I support are exactly the kind of organizations that I wish I knew existed or I wish I knew Mm -hmm. I had access to there's that too. I'm very passionate. Obviously, again, my femininity and being a woman being my primary identity, I'm passionate about women's issues and girls' issues. Meaning no matter what else is going around in the world, I'm going to focus on women and young girls because the attention is not there. Whether it's financially, culturally, socially, safety, whatever you want to call it, the attention isn't there. So I'm going to draw that attention there. Now, does it make me a... And these are all the misnomers. Does it make me a man hitter? Okay, congratulations. Does it make me a crazy (laughs) feminist? Thank you very much. Does it make me a a, a brainwashed Nigerian girl and I've adopted too many American values? And she... Yeah. All of those things. (laughs) No one, not like no one is going to do it, but not enough people are doing it. Even from a financial perspective, Mm. um, I was at this panel the other day and it says that only 1.6% of philanthropic dollars are assigned to women and girls issues. 1.6. Are you serious? 1.6. 1.6. Think about all the money that goes into philanthropy. 1.6. Bruh so imagine all the other issues right you know when did yeah get the right to vote when did it just become illegal when did spouse or rape just become illegal it was just i believe in the 70s in the us so this is not something that's like so when you think about that and you want to start, again, zooming into... That's just women in general. You want to zoom into Black women, and then you zoom into African women, and then you zoom into Nigerian women, and then you zoom into Christian, Nigerian, Muslim, Nigerian, whatever, whatever, whatever. The problems start opening up. So my legacy is to be to be the, the bridge, right? To be someone who can bridge the gap, to be someone who can uplift and lift others based on the things that I've learned. To be someone who wants to see other people be better, greater than I or anyone else can imagine is to, to be someone who wants to serve. So when I leave, and a little morbid, again, I would like people to know that I can be a little morbid sometimes. I think, <laughs> I, I think a lot about what will happen when I'm not here. I think a lot about what will people say when I'm no longer here. If if my friends or family or whomever it is are gathered in a room and I'm no longer here, what would the conversation be like? I don't want the conversation to be something random or mundane. I want it to be exciting. I want them to be exchanging stories and memories of some ridiculous, stupid thing that I did, but it was fun and it was exciting. I want them to be talking about how I impacted their lives. So even if it's just one person who can say that, I'm good. And whatever that impact is, whether it's, you know, emotional support, financial support, um, intellectual support, whatever the case may be, that's my legacy. And it's also because this is interesting. When I said digging into that was when I fully, fully admitted to myself, I well, mean, I don't want children. I don't want children and I don't want a husband. So... <laughs> So, not-
0: you're not praying for her husband, like some of us. <laughs>
1: it's just not, I, don't get me wrong, there are benefits, oh, I'm not saying, yeah, you know, I'm
0: not- a terrible thing. there are
1: benefits, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not in my spirit. So, yeah. it's not in my spirit. So, knowing that I don't want children, what's my legacy going to be? Because for a lot of people, it's their or kids. The children, yeah, I- or the legacies, yeah. A new generation, and I get that it's beautiful. The idea that you want a little mini you to be existing in this world, yes, but that doesn't quite appeal to me. So, what's my legacy gonna be? And then I had yeah. to you know, do some deep introspection and come up with all the things I said earlier.
0: um I actually find it really interesting. I, what? I guess we'll, we'll talk this about this um off and you we'll, you'll come back for that episode. But okay. like so I find it really interesting that you're so sure about your legacy and how what you want to leave behind, not um involving like your own family, but yourself. Mm. That's that's very different. <laughs> yeah. Like you're living yourself, not like, oh, I'm living part of me and then I'm leaving my husband or and then yeah. I'm leaving children. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but a final question for you is going to be, have you let identity given to you by other people influence your identity?
1: 100%. 100%.
0: Can you share some of those? Yeah. So
1: one that I think about very often, because mm. it's so contrary to who I know I really am, is, again, this idea of marriage and children. Uh. And it's bittersweet because I was thinking about it recently. When I was growing up, slash, I want to say at least like five up until five years ago, mm-hmm. I always used to tell myself, "I'm living my life for my mother. I'm living my life for my mother. Oh, I'm my do not. I'm my own woman. And this, not, 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 not. Fast forward now, I realize actually I do want to live my life for my mother because. You know, but other people don't know. My mom recently passed two years ago. And now Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I want to help continue her legacy. But that's besides the Mm -hmm. point. And the reason I say this is because at a certain point in my life, my mother's idea of a daughter means you're going to be married and you're going to have children. To the point where I was going through old pictures and I saw a picture of, uh, it was me, just me in the picture, but it was from my sister's wedding. I have a, from my mom, an older sister. And at the back of it, my mom had scribbled, actually no, around the border. It was, you know, nice pictures now. They take pictures at parties so it has a nice yeah. whiteboard. Yeah. My mom wrote around the border across my face like this, Mojisola will celebrate your own uh, marriage in Jesus' name. Listen, Amen. <laughs> campaign for us I don't care she campaigned hard, so mm. that was that has always been her campaign, and that mm. has always been her dream to see me married and to see me with children, and I get it, I understand, but that wasn't me, but there was a point when I so desperately wanted to please her, so desperately wanted to give her what she wanted that I contemplated it. Mm. I was dating some guy in. For better or for worse, he turned out to be a crazy person, became abusive, which again, like I said, another interesting part of yeah. me, like you probably want to know about the things that drive me, became abusive. And obviously that relationship ended, but I keep, I kept, and I still think about that a lot where I was willing to sacrifice myself, who I knew I really was. I've known since I was in SS1 that I didn't want to get married and I didn't want to have children. I've known and I've vocalized it. But guess what, as an adult, I allowed willingly, or willingly, depending on how you look at it, I willingly allowed my mother's idea of my identity to influence me, put me in a relationship with a man who the day I met him, I told him to his face, you're not my type, I'm not attracted to you. But guess what? <laughs> we still used to went into
0: the relationship. I thought
1: this was going to be marriage material. We almost moved in together, that kind of thing. So looking back now, it's really interesting how deeply, no matter how I obviously I consider myself a, a quite strong-willed person. Now no matter how strong-willed you are, the people we love the most or the people we defer importance to the most. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's not just love. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes whatever it is. But we defer importance to these people. And those people, once we give them that power, let me say, yeah, we defer power to those people through love or whatever other sentiment or emotion. And once we defer that power, they have the power to redefine our identities. They have the power to tell us who we are and how we should act and the things we now like and the things we don't like. So that's my biggest um one i mean that's why yeah i think that's why the most important one all the others maybe just temporary, like you know if i'm dating somebody outside of my (laughs) race and i tone down my blackness or some you know just random stuff like that but that's probably the the biggest part of it
0: yeah okay very interesting i also didn't want kids or marriage because of Mm -hmm. my mom but for oh. different reasons, yeah. <laughs> so I was the child of the other woman. I'm from a polygamous home. Oh, so, that child. Yeah. And then when my parents were there separate ways, I saw my mom struggle so hard mm-hmm. with three children. And yeah. I felt guilty because she had to provide. So I didn't want a man because my dad. And I mm-hmm. didn't want children because I felt guilty that she had to take care of us. Um, mm. But for the longest time as well, being the child of the other woman, the woman who didn't stay was my identity. So Mm -hmm. I just figured if I didn't marry, I didn't have anything to fight for, you know? I didn't have Mm -hmm. to fight for that. um, If you don't get married, you wouldn't have to fight for a marriage, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't want to have to have a child become the child of the woman who didn't stay again, you know, because that would, yeah. But yeah, struggle, struggle identities, the things we dis, um we we identify and describes
1: ourselves. It's, it's real. And obviously offline later I want to hear more about it. Cause it's we could talk about this for days, like I said, a, a part of my identity is um I guess in spite despite uh in spite or because of <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> the things that I saw too, especially when it comes to marriage or children. It's similar to that where Yeah, no, I saw the kind of struggle it was for my mother to take care of seven children. Now, I'm not putting anybody through that. And not even just financially, emotionally too. Emotionally, ooh, yeah. mom is the most important person to me in my entire life. And I'm here to say, sometimes I suspect, I'm not sure she was the kind of person who was supposed to have children. And that's seen a lot coming from my mother and how I hold her, you know what I'm saying? So seeing Mm -hmm. that, I'm like, and I wish, you know, we could go into it deeper. And similarly with my dad too, I'm like, oh yeah, please, I'm definitely not getting married. I
0: mean, Nigerian men just want to have kids. African men just want to have kids because they can. But yeah, yeah I also think that if my mom was Western or if she had more education than she well western mm-hmm. education that she does right now she probably wouldn't have kids because till yeah. tomorrow my mom's work ethic oh my god like <laughs> she works hard but when it comes to like caring for children oh very funny when 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 i was growing up people would say oh yeah my mom cooks or something like my dear if you're coming to my house you bring your food because my mom is not cooking for anybody um so yeah <laughs> nope she didn't even she's not, she's not even feeding her own children it is you, right. it is not else you. Is to, no no but yeah um so we'll wrap this episode up right now we'll be back again hopefully with a part two <laughs> so yes. we'll come and talk more about this but moji thank you so much for coming it's always a pleasure having you thank you thanks for having me i'm glad we yeah. got to do this Oh, for sure. We'll do it again. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Sensor and Rant. I hope you had fun. I hope you learned a little bit about our struggles. Please, please, please do not forget to like, subscribe, share with friends and families. Um, leave a comment below. And of course, you can follow us on all our social media platforms at Sensor and Rant. Until next time, until another episode, whoever it is you want to become, whatever it is you want to do, all you have to do is start. Rin blessed.